0: Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Welcome back to the show, my friends. I'm here with Coach Lauren. Hey, Lauren. Hello, everybody. You're going to be so proud of me because- Let's hear it. (laughs) Before we hopped on our call today, I pulled up a podcast review. Because I promised on every Q and A episode, I was going to read a podcast from one of you pod squatters. Today I am reading a review from Trey Marie 99 and her review says, amazing info. Nicole puts weight loss into a whole new perspective that I've never seen before. And I've been in therapy for depression and anxiety for many years. Since I was little, food was used as a reward and taken away as punishment and as a crutch as I got older. This new mindset is life-changing in the best way possible with more mistakes to come.
1: Wink. Oh, that's God life-changing. I mean, could there be a better compliment? I know. That's
0: incredible. And I love when listeners and clients and just followers on social media understand the mindset like the psychology connection like this reviewer said i've been in therapy for ages and it's just coming together like it's helping me to change my relationship with food but i'm doing
1: so by changing like my thought processes and my mindset also she gets it the mindset piece is the missing piece from like traditional diets it's without it your success is going to be very hard to come by I speak from personal experience.
0: Same. <laughs> you, yep. yeah. yeah. So yeah. It means the world to us when you take a minute to leave a review. I know from doing a little bit of research on growing the podcast that that allows basically the podcast algorithm to say, oh, hey, people are liking this show. Let me share it as a potential suggestion for other people who are listening to other health, wellness, nutrition podcasts. So It would mean everything to us. If you listen to an episode, you learn something new, you love what you hear, if you would leave a five-star review and or share the episode to your social media stories. That is our ask for today. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, we are going to deliver on your asks. Lauren and I have a couple of questions that were submitted by you, and we are going to answer those questions today. Lauren, are you ready for the first one? Hit me. I'm so ready. This is a question that a lot of people can relate to in some way, shape or form. And the question is, I have been consistent for over a month. I've been tracking everything except for one weekend. I've dropped my calories twice and my weight hasn't budged. Why?
1: First, I have to say to this person, I get it. That is unbelievably frustrating when you feel like I'm doing everything right. I'm putting in this effort and there are no results to show for it. First of all, I would ask, what other metrics are you using besides the scale? Because that's one metric and there are a million other ways to measure progress. Are you losing any inches? Are you getting stronger in the gym? Are you feeling better in your workouts? Are you sleeping better? Is your stress management better? Um, Are you making more quality food choices overall, meaning are you adding in some more whole foods and less processed foods into your diet? How is your mindset? Like we were just saying, like, are you having less stress and anxiety around food? All of that is progress that counts just as much, if not more so than the scale. So I would first ask this person to look at all the other forms of progress outside of the scale and see where you're at with those. Um, both physical and more mental. The super short answer is if you have been consistent for a month and there's no progress on the scale, I hate to say it, but you're probably not in a caloric deficit consistently. And I feel awful saying that. And I know people Well, no, I am. I swear I'm measuring everything. I'm doing all the right things. Basically, what research shows is that we are not that great at knowing what we're eating. Even if you're tracking your food, you can still be off. Like food labels are off by up to 20%. There is a lot of wiggle room there. So there are a couple things that could be happening with this client. So you might just be eating more than you're realizing. Maybe there's some like bites, licks and tastes that are sneaking in there more than you realize. Uh, maybe, you know, you're grabbing a handful of pretzels here. You're finishing the kids dinner here and it's just adding up to more than you realize. Maybe you're overeating at night on the weekends, which is a pretty common thing. People don't realize just how insanely quickly and easy it is to eat back all of their deficit calories at one or two meals out on the weekends. Um, There might be some human error with the logging. Maybe like I was saying, it's maybe the logging isn't completely accurate. And also, maybe there is some unrealistic expectations as to what progress on the scale might look like. I actually am going through a fat loss phase myself. And I will say for the first month or so, the progress was extremely slow. It took my body a minute to catch up to it. And I didn't really see much progress at all on the scale, probably until like week four, if I'm being, if I'm like remembering correctly. And I just stuck with it. I stuck with the plan and it paid off over time, but it was slow at first. It might just be taking your body a minute to, realize what's going on. I would also look into this person's movement. If they're pretty sedentary, I would encourage adding in some movement throughout the day, just some walks. It doesn't have to be like insane amount of exercise or anything like that, but just increasing your movement throughout the day is going to be very helpful. And yeah, try to be really consistent with a caloric deficit. Check how accurately you are tracking your food and logging your food. If that's the method that you're going to choose to do, increase your movement if that's a possibility and check in with other forms of progress, because there might be tons of progress that was made the last month, but you're only looking at the scale and that is leaving you feeling very discouraged. So yes, short of it, you probably aren't in a consistent caloric deficit. Long of it, you might be. Your body might just need a little bit of extra time, but there also might be tons of other wins to celebrate along the way.
0: I love that you mentioned other progress metrics because I have a feeling that like most of us who have in some way, shape or form been influenced by diet culture, this question Question. asker, what am I even trying to say? The person who asked (laughs) this question is hyper focusing on the scale. And what I have experienced in 10 plus years of coaching is that when we white knuckle grip the scale, like we're waiting for it to move, we're holding our breath when we step on our scale. I used to weigh people who would then say, Oh, wait, and they'd take off their hair tie to get weighed in, or like they'd have to empty a penny out of their pockets or something like that. It's just ridiculous. If you're white knuckling the scale, you're probably missing out on a lot of other progress metrics that could be indicating you are heading in a really favorable direction, but for whatever reason, maybe the scale isn't moving and, or maybe because of the frequency you're weighing in, you're sabotaging yourself a little bit. I mean, I have even stepped on the scale. And if I see it's down a smidge, my brain immediately goes, Woo-hoo, this is working. And then maybe I catch myself being a little bit more lax with my food choices, because I've earned it, right? Or at least that's what diet culture will tell us. And on the flip side of that, maybe you see the scale go up a little bit. You're frustrated because of course, not seeing progress when you're putting in effort is frustrating. So then you say, oh, well, it's not working. This is frustrating. And maybe that leads to overeating or emotional eating a little bit later, even if you're doing your best to stay super vigilant with tracking. So in this situation, I might ask this individual how frequently they're weighing in And if maybe we need to just put a pin in, wait for a second and use other metrics to measure progress. I also would like to ask this person how long they've been in the deficit for. So they mentioned lowering their calories twice. Two times in a month is a lot. And how many calories are we talking about? If we're reducing it just a smidge, because here you and I, Lauren, practice conservative caloric deficits, we're not reducing by 500 calories a day, we're reducing by a much smaller amount so that we can kind of mitigate the hunger that comes with being in a fat loss phase. Have you been in that deficit from reducing your calories the second time for a week? And if so, that is not long enough. (laughs) Like we need to give your body time to adjust, catch up and to demonstrate whether or not that deficit is going to result in weight loss. So I have a couple of follow-up questions that I would love to ask this individual, but bottom line, if you are not seeing any movement with any progress metric, the scale, your clothing fit, your energy level, your girth measurements, your workout performance, then like Lauren said, sorry, but research tells us that you're not actually then in a caloric deficit. Now that's not your fault. It doesn't mean that you still haven't been trying and working your ass off to be in a caloric deficit. What it does mean is that Calories are complicated and the human body is very, very intricate. It's not as easy as, oh, this is how this piece of machinery works. So you might think that a package says something is 150 calories. But did you know that food labels can be off by 20%? And you might log in my fitness Pal, and my fitness Pal might tell you that you're eating 1,800 calories for the day or whatever your deficit goal is. But did you know that that could be off? not just because of user error, but because of the inputs that are in my fitness pal, maybe they're not 100% accurate. Did you also know that how your body digests and metabolizes calories can vary person to person. So while an online calculator that says, Hey, based on your height, your weight, your gender, your physical activity level, you should eat this much might work for one person that might not be an accurate calorie guesstimate for you. So All of that to say, I know that's a lot of word vomit. It's very, very complicated to navigate all of these things when you don't have a coach in your corner or someone else helping you to weed through the frustration. If you are being super consistent, you're putting in a lot of effort, you're being as accurate as possible, and you're still not seeing any progress then we either have to find a way to eat a little less and or move a little more. But before I would encourage this person to eat less and or move more, I would say, let's put the scale away for a little bit of time, or at least weigh in less frequently. And let's focus on some other metrics and see if we might be able to notice that progress
1: is being made by loosening that white knuckle grip on the scale. I think it's important to note. Well, first of all, I also had, I was going to mention too about a calculator is just an educated guess. Your body is your body and it's not, you can't just like throw one set of numbers at everybody who is your height and weight and say, this is going to work for a hundred percent of those people. It's an educated guess. Our bodies are all very different. They work differently. They're going to respond to things differently. So it's a good place to start, but if you're already cutting those calories twice in a month and you're just not giving it time to work, it's it. You have to give it time to work, and you have to kind of make adjustments from there. I also want to say, if you are losing inches or your clothing is fitting a little bit more loose, then even though the scale is not going down, you're not in a weight loss plateau. You're having progress. You're making progress. You're just looking at one metric and one metric only, as opposed to all the other metrics that count just as much. So. I would also question: is it a true plateau? Are you actually making progress in other ways and you're just missing it? Because, like you were saying, it's white knuckling the scale. And just to completely clarify, the scale does not tell the real story. I was actually on Instagram stories this morning talking about this. I had a weekend away, it was great. We celebrated my daughter's 12th birthday. There was birthday cake involved, there was, you know, a fun dinner or two, a meal out, and I normally don't get on the scale after a weekend away like that. But I did today just out of curiosity and for like data purposes. And it had gone up as expected. And I reminded myself that is one piece of the puzzle. That's one way in out of however many. And I, I have two options, right? You can look at that and say, this isn't working. All my progress is gone because of these two days. I give up and I quit. Or you can just get right back to it knowing that A temporary jump in the scale is completely normal after a weekend of extra food, and it'll go back down as long as you don't quit and you get right back on the scale. So the scale is one piece. It does not tell the whole story, and you can't give it that much power. (laughs) It has to be a tool in the toolbox, not the end-all be-all.
0: And sometimes, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you just need more time. I get that it feels like you've been consistent for ages and maybe your consistency is better than it's ever been. And maybe your accuracy with logging has been spot on. You've been doing the best you possibly can. It doesn't mean that more consistency isn't going to get you the results that you want paired with more time. This is a ridiculous example. But recently I took my ups to the vet and the vet told me that our oldest golden... Probably needed to lose about seven pounds in order to be in like his healthiest range for his joints and whatnot. And so we already have a fairly active lifestyle in terms of taking the dogs for walks and letting them swim. And so what we did was we reduced the amount of dog food he was getting in the morning. We didn't even change his dinner, just breakfast to start, right? Because I want him to eat as much food as possible while still creating results, just like I want for all of my other clients (laughs) and myself. So I weighed him in a week after we started reducing his food. Guess what? Nothing changed. But I know for a fact, because unlike my food, I measure his food. I know exactly how much he's getting every morning. I knew for a fact he was eating less. So you know what I did? I changed nothing. And I said, I'm giving it another week. And after the week, down two pounds. I changed nothing from week one to week two, except for giving the process more time. That's it. And I know we're talking about two weeks in comparison to this author has been consistent for a month, but I'd like to think the human body is a little bit more complex and <laughs> intricate than, than the dog. Body. <laughs> I,
1: I have said this, I'm sure I've said this on here before. I've said it a million times. The method at which we go about achieving fat loss with our clients is easier in a lot of ways than like traditional diet culture or following some strict fad diet but it's harder in one very important way. And that is you have to be more patient. You have to be willing to give it a little bit of time because when you're not going into extremes, you just need to be more patient, which is good because long-term those results are going to last and be maintainable. It is a good thing, but I do understand. I mean, I think you and I can relate. It is still hard, even though, even if you logically know it all, it can still be hard to, to be patient, but it pays off in the long run. I promise. Second question. Are you ready? Oh, let's hear it.
0: Can you talk about how hormones influence hunger and
1: fullness cues after 40? Yes. Let's talk about this because it is a thing that happens. Um, There's going to be, you know, I'm assuming somebody in their forties is probably in perimenopause. So they're having some changes to their menstrual cycle. It's happening over a period of several years or even longer. And there's a lot of hormone levels that are changing and that can trigger typical symptoms, right? They can see, you know, you get like the night sweats, some joint pain, some headaches. And the way this question was phrased is like, yes, I'm, I'm assuming this person is experiencing an increase in appetite. So I actually read about it. There was a small study. It was only 95 uh, premenopausal women from 2014, but they found both an increase in their hunger levels as well as a psychological desire to eat. So I do think this is something that's going to that is a common symptom. Obviously, it's not happening 100 percent, but a common symptom across the board for women in their 40s, they might be noticing that they're a little bit hungrier. And there's a couple hormones that are going to be responsible for this. So during this premenopause period, our estrogen levels fluctuate. They ultimately decline Um, and estrogen is thought to dampen our appetite. So it makes sense if it's going to end in a decline that our appetite might not be inhibited to the same degree that it once was there's also our leptin uh, levels our leptin is a hormone that's produced by our fat cells it helps us regulate energy some call it the satiety hormone because it helps inhibit hunger there's going to be high levels that tell us we've already eaten and it's time to stop um, and that's going to help regulate our weight so there has been some research published that as we get older our leptin levels decrease leaving us feeling hungrier There's also going to be the hormone ghrelin, which is basically the opposite of leptin. It's the hunger hormone. Our levels are going to increase um, during premenopause, which might make us feel hungrier again. People with higher baseline ghrelin levels tend to have more intense food cravings. Um, So again, if you're having more ghrelin and less leptin, you're going to feel hungrier and less satiated overall. And then we also see an increase in cortisol levels through premenopause as well. Um, cortisol is the stress hormone, right? It helps us respond to stress. It helps us stay healthy and regulate our metabolism. So with all of these changes going on in your body, how do you, is it just you're screwed? You can't. You're going to gain all this weight. You're going to be starving all the time and have all of these cravings. Of course not, right? So what can you do to help counteract all of this is res- go back to the basics. This is why we stress them all the time. First, give yourself grace understand that your body is going through a lot. Your hormone levels are changing and that might result in just different appetite levels and things like that. So give yourself some grace, focus on eating. I feel like one of the best things you could do, focus on eating regular balanced meals that are high in protein, high in fiber, um, Include some kind of carbohydrate source so that will help minimize those food cravings. Just like when you're younger, (laughs) if you're eating a high protein and a high fiber diet, your blood sugar is going to be nice and steady. Your hunger is going to be minimal and you're going to feel more even energy throughout the day if you're eating these regularly balanced meals, Um, prioritizing movement as much as possible. And again, we've never encouraged like tons of high intensity movement, but walking as much as possible. Strength training for your bone density is going to be very important here as well. Managing your stress and getting uh, quality sleep is also going to be very important. We know that when we're really stressed out, when we're sleep deprived, those cravings are going to go up even more. So I think it'd be even more important to focus on those two, even then when you're younger, (laughs) the older we get, really prioritize that quality sleep. And then set your environment up for success. If you know that you are craving chips or whatever it is every night, maybe it's best to not always have those in the house. Make sure you're eating, like I said, those balanced meals and just setting yourself up for success with that strong foundation and focusing on doing the best you can. And if the scale is moving up or you're not feeling your best, just always revert back to those foundational habits. And it would really be, in my opinion, do the best you can and and give yourself some compassion along the way.
0: Great response. I have to tell you, when you first told me that you received this question, I initially was like, wait, appetite doesn't just change because you turned 40. I was like, "This, this person is like a little confused. I want to help them understand that, you know, research shows us metabolism really doesn't slow down until we're over the age of 60. So until then, nothing is magically flipping a switch because we turn 40 years old but then I did take a look at it from the perimenopause menopausal stage, yes. which of course perimenopause can start, I think as early as like 35. So when you're in your forties, absolutely. You can be experiencing some symptoms of perimenopause. I echo everything that you said, Lauren, when we think about hormones related to appetite, we think of leptin and I always call it ghrelin. Is it ghrelin? I've always said ghrelin. I don't
1: know. Okay.
0: Either way, we know we're talking about the same thing, but one of us is pronouncing it way wrong. So, Oh my gosh. Here's how I remember the two. So leptin and ghrelin are kind of like the peanut butter and jelly of appetite hormones. Ghrelin G grows the appetite. So it essentially is telling us that we are hungry and we need to eat more food. Leptin is the hunger suppressant basically that says hey you've had enough food energy is balanced you're good you don't need to eat anymore so obviously if weight maintenance or weight loss is the goal we don't want ghrelin to increase we don't want our hunger to grow and what research has shown is that ghrelin does grow when we're not getting appropriate sleep that may happen in our 40s May happen in a lot of different seasons of life, to be honest, because maybe we have young kids at home. Maybe we're experiencing some insomnia because of perimenopause or for some other reason. Maybe life is just super stressful. We're not prioritizing a great bedtime routine. Um, ghrelin also grows with drops in estrogen, like you mentioned. So if that's happening because of perimenopause, we might notice we're a little bit hungrier. And also, if our diet is deficient in protein, healthy fats, and smart carbs, ghrelin will always be higher than if we are getting a sufficient amount of protein. Protein is one of the best things that we can do to decrease ghrelin because it's a super satiating macronutrient. So I really don't feel like we need to harp on that anymore because everything that I had to say was echoing what you already said. I think making sure that you're getting enough sleep, making sure that you are eating a well-balanced diet, prioritizing your protein. And, you know, if you're experiencing some pretty severe perimenopausal symptoms, maybe starting to look into hormone replacement therapy. I know there's tons of estrogen options out there if that's really becoming a barrier to you. Um, But then just focusing on things that allow you to feel like you can keep your hunger in check for a lot of people that might look like doing lower impact activity because remember appetite typically grows in accordance with physical activity level so if you're crushing yourself in the gym you're doing tons of hit classes you're doing lots of high intensity stuff well your appetite's going to grow ghrelin is going to increase naturally so maybe trying to incorporate something that's a little bit less strenuous like walking does not grow ghrelin so that might be a helpful option just to try and incorporate more fat throughout your day I think that was a great question crazy. though. I, yeah, it was. I'm not 40 yet. So I never would have thought to ask that, but I'm sure there are lots of women who are like, what the heck, why have things changed just yeah. because I'm in my forties? And while it's not 40 that did it, it's no. probably perimenopause or yeah. something related.
1: And you're not, doomed. No, <laughs> you're not no, doomed. You're not doomed. You can, you still have a lot of control over your lifestyle, you know, behavior. So don't consider yourself, don't throw your hands up and say, well, I'm 40. This is just what's going on still be putting in that effort.
0: Here's but I want everyone to try. Okay. Here's the experiment that I'm going to issue. Everyone listening to this podcast episode. I want you to one day this week, have a bowl of sugary cereal for breakfast. It's not going to kill you. Don't worry. It's not going to do anything to your long-term health, but I want you to have a bowl of your favorite cereal for breakfast. And then the following day, I want you to have a protein heavy breakfast. You can choose what that is. It can be a delicious egg scramble like I make myself every morning. And of course you can have, you know, your toast with, it doesn't just have to be protein and it could be a Greek yogurt parfait. It could be a gorgeous protein shake. If you're on the go, you've got to run out the door. It could be oatmeal made with some egg whites or Greek yogurt thrown in some overnight oats, whatever. I want you to have a high carb breakfast day one. And then I want you to have a high protein breakfast day two, and I just want you to observe the difference. For me, night and day, night and day, the difference. Day one, I'm hungry like 45 minutes later, and I am experiencing hunger in regular intervals throughout the entire day. Not to mention I'm a little bit angrier. Day two, I could easily go until lunchtime, completely satisfied. I also noticed that my hunger is pretty regulated throughout the day because I created a different macronutrient balance at one meal. If you experience a difference, which I have a strong inclination that you will take that to be so encouraging that you have control in some way, you have control over appetite regulation. What you do, how you nourish yourself, can make a monumental difference in how you feel and your appetite
1: regulation. That's encouraging, at least to me. That's so encouraging. And FYI, um, a high protein breakfast is not one egg.
0: Oh, <laughs> I think it's not oh, even two eggs.
1: It's not even two eggs. No, I I would highly encourage you to take a few minutes to figure out with your high protein option that it's hitting. I mean, minimum twenty. You're going to do more is going to be better there. If you can get 25, 30, 35, you are going to be golden. But yes, a lot of I think a lot of women just think, well, I can't eat that much. Yes, you can. You'll be fine. Eat a high protein breakfast and your body will thank you for it. Just trust us on this one. Give it a try. See for yourself. Don't even trust us. Do it yourself. Yeah, you put it to the test. If you
0: experience no difference, tell us, send us a DM. And I don't know what we'll do. We'll like publicly apologize for yes. your experience on the episode so that on the next episode, yeah. you're going to experience a difference. Like we're, we're tongue in cheek, you know, being a little bit funny. But if you don't want to add egg whites to your eggs in the morning, that's fine. I love doing that because it's a really cost effective way to just bump up the protein. If I'm already going to make scrambled eggs, you could add turkey bacon you could add chicken sausage you could have eggs and then a side of a greek yogurt parfait but feel free to get creative it doesn't just have to be sitting there and having three or four eggs in the morning that no. does sound like a lot and yeah get you know a little bit more creative and mix and match some things
1: the cottage cheese and scrambled egg trick is legit and delicious just a mm. little fyi
0: i have heard that I have heard that. I've had clients that mix it in. And I also Mm -hmm. have a client who said she just likes to have the cottage cheese on the side with her eggs and it's equally as good. So how about it? I mix it
1: in, but yeah, it's delish.
0: (laughs) All right. Last question we're going to cover today because we have been long-winded with our responses as per usual. Uh, As always. (laughs) (laughs) I have been hearing a lot about berberine. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, which has been touted as quote nature's
1: Can you talk about it? This was an interesting one for me because this is something I actually haven't really heard much about. So really? I think it's, I hadn't, it. I don't know.
0: It's no, on TikTok.
1: Know. It's on TikTok. So Ozempic,
0: all the rage we just talked about that right, in the last q right. If you missed it, go back and listen to that episode. On TikTok right now, everyone is talking about Berberine because Ozempic, Insurance companies are not covering it anymore. It's becoming so astronomically expensive. And berberine is sort of like the, well, if you can't afford Ozempic, you should try this natural supplement. Actually, as an aside, I'm not meaning to cut you off. I'm going to let you answer, Lauren. I was at the pharmacy over the weekend picking up a prescription for coal. And you know how sometimes when you're standing at the pharmacy, you can hear the other like pharmacy tech talking to the person in the drive-thru. Bless mm-hmm. this woman's heart. She was, I don't know, probably 60 something. And she was picking up her prescriptions. And the the pharmacy tech said, I just want to let you know, ma'am, that one of these has a really high copay. It's $499. And the woman just kind of shook her head, right? In distress, like, oh, what? I need it. So give it to me. And she said, okay, it's the Ozempic, that's $499. And I'm not trying to eavesdrop, but I just happened to hear this. My first thought was, what if she's diabetic and genuinely needs this medication to help manage her blood sugar? And because everyone has been using it for weight management, now she has to pay an astronomical fee because her insurance company won't cover it anymore. That's terrible. That's, That's terrible. It's so terrible.
1: Heartbreaking.
0: No, I don't know anything about this woman. Maybe she was using it for weight loss purposes, but nevertheless, Ozempic is astronomically expensive if insurance is not willing to cover it. So for those who can't afford or don't want to spend $4.99 a month on Ozempic, berberine has entered the scene.
1: Yeah, so I was doing some research on this because like I said, I'm not super familiar with it. So basically it's a chemical that's found in like some plants and even the plants were a little, I was like, okay, what's a European barb, barberry, golden seal, organ, grape, and tree turmeric. I was like, okay, great. Now I'm like learning all kinds of new things. It's a bitter tasting and yellow colored chemical. And there actually has been shown from the research that I did some potential positive health benefits. Um, it might help strengthen your heartbeat. So it, it's possibly beneficial for people with certain heart conditions and it might help regulate like your blood sugar levels. Um, and it is commonly used for diabetes or high levels of cholesterol, similar to Ozempic, semiglutide, all those things. Right. Um, now if we're looking at it in terms of fat loss, here is what I found. Well, first of all, like you said, widely available online, much, much cheaper. It ranges from like 15 to 40 bucks. You don't need a prescription. So it's so much easier to be like, oh, great, I can't afford Ozempic, or I don't want to have to go to the doctor. I'll just do this instead. And it's all natural, right? So there haven't really been that much research done on humans, first of all. There haven't really been many large peer-reviewed studies done on berberine and the connection to weight loss in humans but there was a meta-analysis of 49 studies published last year that found it might provide some metabolic benefits in some people, mainly for the heart, like I mentioned. And there might be a teeny tiny benefit when it comes to weight loss. These studies showed anywhere between, they were looking at BMI and it was anywhere from reducing your BMI from a fourth of a point to one whole point, which is nowhere near what you would get with semaglutide, right? And I also want to caution that this is not approved or regulated in any way by the FDA. This is a supplement. This is a dietary supplement. No dietary supplement is reviewed or approved by the FDA. They can promote just about anything on their packaging and they might also have inaccurate or incomplete labels. So you might not even really know exactly what you're getting. And I actually read one doctor that pointed out if you actually are experiencing some noticeable weight loss with this supplement, You should stop taking it because you might there might be something wrong with the battery might be exposed to something that's not you don't realize that you're being exposed to because these labels aren't FDA regulated. So all that to say, sure, there might be the teensiest, tiniest bit of benefit to taking it if you're looking at it for from a weight loss perspective. But it's all going to go back to your habits overall anyway, and I don't I can't imagine if you're going to stay doing the exact same habits. If you're eating a, a diet, high in processed foods, if you're not really moving your body, if you're not having those basic health habits, and then all of a sudden you take berberine, if that's really going to have any massive benefit to you. So to me, it's like just another fad that isn't going to deliver much on the promises. And you're better off focusing on your, on your habits and behaviors than taking this $40 supplement. It
0: really just highlights how weight obsessed Yes, we are as a culture that we would do things that have the potential to compromise our long term health and well-being for the sake of seeing some weight loss. And I I completely understand and stand by the fact that weight loss can be beneficial and health promoting. I do not think it's a futile pursuit or uh, an unhealthy goal to have for certain people, right? There are certain situations where maybe that person is already at a healthy weight and weight loss would be unhealthy for them to pursue. But I found the same thing that you did with berberine. Research has shown that it can be super helpful at reducing blood sugar for people with type two diabetes. But when it comes to like metabolic disorders, there's very limited research to suggest it could be helpful with like weight loss and fat loss. And those studies are poor quality studies. So they're not like gold standard, randomized controlled trials. And although it appears to be generally safe for the average population in a normal dose, we need more long-term research. There's absolutely no longitudinal studies to say, hey, what happens after someone's been taking this for X months or X years? There's nothing to show that. So more studies are needed to kind of, teach just what the long-term implications are. And just like we talked about with Ozempic, berberine has some pretty hardy side effects too, like the same ones, essentially. So gastrointestinal side effects like diarrhea, constipation, gas, stomach pain, that's unpleasant stuff if you know, you're taking something. I just want to put this out there. This is our disclaimer that Lauren and I are not medical professionals. And before taking any supplement especially if you are already on any kind of prescription medication, you are pregnant and or breastfeeding for the love of God, please talk to your doctor before you take any supplement, especially this one, because berberine has been shown to have some pretty bad interactions with other medications. So we do not want you having any serious complications or side effects. We are not recommending this supplement period, but if you feel like you need to experiment with it, please
1: talk to your medical provider before doing so. Everything I read to said that pregnant and breastfeeding women should not be on this. So I will put that (laughs) blanket statement out there, especially if you are pregnant or breastfeeding Probably not the supplement for you.
0: And can I just say, if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, please don't worry about weight loss. Let's yes, just give your <laughs> yes body you may say
1: it. <laughs> nutrients that it needs to grow
0: life and sustain life. Yes. I mean, I refuse to take on a client who is less than six months postpartum. Like you need to just be taking care of yourself unless that client wants to just learn some healthy habits before maybe shooting for some healthy weight loss in the future. But no, don't throw away, discard your health for fleeting weight loss, but any kind of weight loss. If you're going to create weight loss or fat loss, I want to implore you to do it in a way that allows you to feel really good physically and mentally. And I think I shared this on the authentic episode, but what we've learned through research is that eating enough protein Regulates your appetite in a similar way to Ozempic and Berberine. Is it harder to create a habit of eating enough quality protein every single day compared to just popping a pill or taking a, you know, injection once a day, once a week? Yeah, it is. But you know what? It's also then more likely to last because you've made the behavior automatic and habitual and you don't have to worry about weight regain once you stop the supplement
1: or you stop the weight loss injection i think you just like hit the nail on the head too as to why these are so enticing for people it's because it is harder to work on your habits and behaviors it's like so like tempting to say oh i could just take berberine for 20 bucks a month and get the same results like i understand that that is tempting But like you said, I would just really encourage you all to look at what kind of health benefits you're looking for from this weight loss. First of all, if you're going for health benefits, then then focus on what you're consuming, focus on how you're moving, focus on your health habits. That will provide you with the health benefits and probably some fat loss as well, if that's a goal when done correctly, that are actually gonna benefit you long-term. These shortcuts aren't doing anything for your health. If the habits aren't there as well. So just remember that the scale, like kind of like we were coming full circle here, the scale is one piece of the puzzle. And are you really willing to sacrifice some of your health in order to see a lower number on the scale? Just something to think about.
0: (laughs) I have a client, Lauren. I don't think I told you this, but she is a medical provider. And she said a patient was recently referred to her and it was her responsibility to wean her off of ozempic her provider wanted her to come off of it and so of course she starts you know going into tell me about you know your nutrition habits what are you eating and she basically said that everything this woman was eating came from a package and it was highly processed refined carbohydrates that didn't give her essentially a lot of nutrients and certainly not any satiety and my client was expressing to me that she was just so sad for her patient because as she comes off of Ozempic, she's created no long-term nutrition habits that are going to help her sustain any of the weight loss that she's lost thanks to the weight loss injection. And she said she has a long road ahead of her. And it just breaks my heart to hear stories like that. I'm all for, I mean, we mentioned in the last Q&A episode, I'm not an anti-ozempic. Like I do believe that it can be super helpful for certain individuals in the right circumstances. But for those of us who are generally healthy, and we know that we could be successful by creating some lifestyle change, by creating healthier eating habits, is it going to be harder? Hell yes. Does it require consistency and effort and patience? Yes, yes, yes. But it also is we're taking ownership of like the role that we play in our own health and well-being as opposed to maybe looking for something just to quicken the process or to help us take the shortcut. I actually heard this on a podcast over the weekend. Show me your habits and I'll show you your future. And I just was obsessed with that quote because I think it makes so much sense. If you want a future where you are not fearing food, obsessing about food, worrying about your weight, hating how you feel in your body, You have to take action today at creating the habits that that version of yourself embodies every single day. If you change your habits, not at all, and you just start taking a supplement, well, your life is going to look very similar to what it looks like now in the future. But if you start to create those healthy habits in terms of self-care, in terms of nutrition, in terms of physical
1: activity, you could completely transform your future. And I think that's the point we're trying to make, too, is that it's going to catch up to you at some point, whether or not you see some short term success with berberine or ozempic. And like you said, I do think there's a certain population that ozempic is so helpful for, and I'm all for that. But for the average population, people who just want to lose some weight, whatever, your lifestyle habits will catch up to you at some point if you're not creating change within them to, you know, focus on health improvements. It's going to catch up at some point. You can't take Ozempic and Berberine forever and see endless results. You have to focus on those health-promoting changes with your habits and behaviors. If you feel like there's
0: room for you to be more consistent, for you to be more proactive when it comes to nourishing your body appropriately, before you take Berberine, before you start taking Ozempic, I would encourage you to... Watch our diet-free fat loss masterclass, five-day masterclass, and just ask yourself, am I doing these things consistently? If your honest answer is yes, then sure, go ahead and look at some more advanced, more aggressive strategies to help you create health promoting fat loss. But I'm willing to bet that most people are not doing the things that we share in our Diet-Free Fat Loss Masterclass consistently. And if you did start to do those things consistently, which the masterclass will teach you how to, you will see the progress that you want to see. I'm so
1: confident about that. Oh, I thousand percent share. Tell everybody where to sign up for the masterclass.
0: Great idea. I'll put it in the show notes below, but I know sometimes those links don't work. So all you have to do is go to nutrition, coaching with Nicole.com backslash diet free masterclass, nutrition, coaching with Nicole.com backslash diet free masterclass. Go there. You'll get all of the five days immediately. You can pace yourself however you want to. You can gobble it all up at once. And if you genuinely are doing everything that we share with you in there and you still are not seeing results, send us a DM and we will help you take the next step, whatever that next step is. But if you are not doing those things, just put a pin in weight loss, supplements, injections until you give this a solid effort.
1: A solid effort too is not a week. <laughs> Just a little FYI. <laughs> it's not a week. It's not even a month. Give it a couple of months of being so consistent with those habits that we're going to talk teach you in the masterclass because it's going to take some time like we talked about. And I'm glad you mentioned it because I do say that I'm like, yeah, I harp on and on and on about building a strong foundation of healthy habits. But it is because most people are not doing it consistently. (laughs) And until you've given it a true, consistent effort, the basics will work if you give it a chance. So go check out what we mean by the basics. Go check out what we mean by how to build healthy habits and then be consistent for a certain amount of time, but longer than a week and a month. (laughs) It's going to take some time.
0: Yeah, it's going to take some time. But you know what? It is going to be more than worth it. Oh,
1: thousand percent.
0: You are not just creating change in your life today, but you are creating change for your future, which sounds so cheesy and like a Pinterest quote. I may need to make that into like a screensaver or something, but it's true. <laughs> it
1: is so freaking true. It is true. It is cheesy, but that's okay because it's true. Like you can actually feel really incredible and yeah, whatever. It sounds good. Do your Pinterest quote. I like it. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I like the results
0: that creating these healthy habits yield. And I know that I, based on the habits that I had about a decade ago, could have had a very different relationship with food, could have had a very different health status today. And I'm so glad, so glad that I took the time and the effort to create the healthy habits that I wanted to exhibit for my
1: future self. Same, 110% same. I've lived a different life. This is much more freeing and comforting and peaceful.
0: Yeah. All right, squad. I hope you learned something today. Lauren and I were on one. So we had a lot to say. (laughs) If you have a question that you want to hear answered in the next Q&A episode, you know what to do. Just drop us a line, shoot us a DM and make sure to check out nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com backslash diet free masterclass. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.